welcome back to another episode of the Sports Department Podcast. Today we're talking the NBA News Roundup. A lot to talk about. I'm Stephen Bologna, joined alongside Jesse Norman, and we are currently filming this on Monday, July 5th. The finals between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns will be starting tomorrow in that seven-game set. We are excited for it. We just recently had the NBA Draft Lottery. The Pistons are holding the number one pick there. A um, couple star point guards potentially might be on the way out with Damian Lillard but, uh, with the potential looming threat of requesting a trade out of Portland. The 76ers, will they keep or trade Ben Simmons? Um, and just an overall playoff wrap-up. But first, Jesse, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty excited to talk about the NBA. Haven't done that in a little while. Um, yeah, a lot of, lot of interesting things. I, I don't think anybody predicted a Suns-Bucks final. But uh, here we are. Yeah, I mean, it must hurt for you to see. Uh, I just want to get this out of the way because, you know, the Brooklyn Nets, what a game seven that was against the Milwaukee Bucks. KD is a foot size too big, steps the foot on the line, and then they lose it in, in overtime. So I just want to, I want to hear your thoughts on the Nets and not making it to the finals. I mean – Look, a- a- anybody who said it was championship or bust this year, I, I disagreed with very heavily throughout. Um, this is the first year they were put together. They weren't even put together in the offseason. Uh, the Rockets made sure of that. They allegedly had a deal, then pulled back, only to then go back onto the deal that was originally agreed to. Um, but that didn't happen until midseason. Um, I- I'm looking forward to what Sean Marks is going to do next year. Uh, the free agency is interesting. It, it hurt um, when it went down, obviously, but I think it's been the case for pretty much every team in the playoffs of you couldn't keep up with the injuries. It was, it was too much. It got to the point Nash was playing six guys. I mean, Katie didn't sit for games at a time. Um, they pushed, they gave everything they had. Um, and at the end of the day, I don't think anybody – can truly think that the Nets weren't the best team, at least in the Eastern Conference. I mean, you've seen them when they were playing, even without Harden and just had Kyrie Irving, they were blowing the tires off of the Bucs. Um, it took Kyrie going down. It took, and it's, <laughs> Kyrie went down, James Harden playing on a grade two hamstring that normally takes six weeks to recover from. Um, and, they, and they took overtime in a game seven. So, you know, you, you can feel bad about it, but I don't know. I think injuries were the biggest factor for not only the Nets, but, I mean, you look across the, the entire league, the Lakers, the Clippers, um, to a degree the Mavericks with Luka getting hurt, um, the Hawks with Trey Young getting hurt, yeah. um, the 76ers and Bede's knee um, – I think there were only a couple teams in the playoffs that didn't suffer from some type of injuries uh, to a major player. And that was, you know, maybe Portland, uh, the Knicks. And then you look at the Suns, who even then they've had Chris Paul out at COVID. And now with the Bucks, Giannis, we don't know yeah. what, what he is going forward. But I think, I think there's a lot to be said about this NBA schedule and – the 72-day offseason uh, for the Lakers and Heat and shorter for other teams. Um, but while the offseason was short, 
and I think that should be a talking point, the regular season was way too compact. Uh, at what, like other levels of compact that we haven't seen before where teams were playing back-to-backs, you know, twice a week. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's absurd. Um, I'm really hoping they fix it next year. I hope they, you know, space the schedule out more because um, while, while this Bucks suns final is going to be very interesting and we'll get into that more later, um, it really, really sucks that injuries, something that you, you know, you can't control necessarily, but you can have a little bit of impact on, took out, you know, so many top 10 players, top 15 players, top 20 players, um, just across the league. You know, the, the biggest stars aren't playing on the platform of the finals because of injuries. Yeah, and like you said, a lot of big names did go down. I mean, the team that potentially benefited from that, like you said, was the Milwaukee Bucks. And then the team they're facing with the Phoenix Suns, you know, they played uh, the Lakers in round one. Anthony Davis did not play for a good chunk of those games. Round two, they faced Denver with no Jamal Murray. Mm -hmm. And then the last round against the Clippers, no Kawhi Leonard. So... Like you said, a lot of a lot of stars did go down, and you know, hopefully, the NBA does plan on going back to their October mid October start time for next season, just to kind of get everything back on track. Um, but I and I'm I'm fine with staying with the 72 games. I'm fine. Started in mid October, make it go still till the end of of you know like April. Do the 72 games. You don't need 82. I personally, I don't really see why there's even a reason. Um, teams should be doing three games in four nights. At this point, I don't think that should really be a thing teams have to do. Um, And this isn't to take anything away from the Bucks or the Suns, you know, great on them. You can, you can only beat who's put in front of you. Um, Every, every year, there's always something with injuries. um, and, And they don't make us really think differently. When Kawhi led the Raptors and how big of a deal that was, yes, Durant was out. Yes, Clay was out. We don't actively talk about that. That cha- no championship ring legitimately has an asterisk next to it. Yeah, no. Um, it, you won a championship. You did what you came to do. You can only do what you can, uh, and that's what the Suns and Bucks have done to this point. So good for them. Um, I don't think anybody thinks that they are the two most talented teams in the NBA by any means, but they are the teams that put it together or overcame the injuries or, you know, things of those na- of that nature. So congrats to them. Uh, finals appearance is nothing, you know, to, to sneeze at. It's, it's something yeah. it's, it's legit. Everybody, you know, only one team can win a finals every year. And if you're in the second position, you still did pretty good that year. Yeah. And, you know, just to kind of look at the matchup, it's the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Phoenix Suns, Chris Paul, is in his first finals ever, one of the best to really ever play. So it's awesome to see him there. On the flip side, Giannis has been a superstar that's been longing just for the opportunity to get to to get into the finals. And now he is in. Will he play for the full seven games or however long the series goes? We'll see. Um, but this is this is a, a Suns team that's filled with young talent. And you know, you think two years ago when James Jones took over as um, the president of the GM. I mean, some of the moves he was making were a little strange, and he was getting he was getting made fun of for it. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Taking Cam Johnson at pick number, uh, what was it? 11, uh, 11 or 13. One of them. I, I like, I thought it was a good pick at the time. Honestly, I liked Cam Johnson out of UNC. Um, yeah. Sarich, the first player getting, from the process. Yep. yep getting Sarich <laughs> was, was heavily criticized. Um, taking the flyer on Cameron Payne. People thought, you know, Oh, get a legit backup. Um, the experiment with Booker at point guard, which while it didn't work out, I think it did help his playmaking ability for sure. Um, taking Aiton when Doncic and, and Trey Young were there, um, but it, it all worked out. The Even the Chris Paul trade was heavily criticized. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people thought that contract was so bad, which I've, I've gone on the record and said, as bad as the Chris Paul contract is, as long as he continues to produce, you can't continue to call it the worst contract in sports. You can't do it. You can't say it's untradeable when the guy continues to put up numbers, continues to change cultures, and continues to help young teams. To this point, he's helped a young team all the way to the finals in what is now going to be probably his first, and I would, you know, I'm going out on a limb and saying last chance. Yeah. Um, for this finals ring that has eluded him that let's be real. If he wins, you're you forget top five point guard. You probably push him up into the top three discussion. Um, and if they win, I'm going to assume Chris Paul is probably going to win finals MVP. Or if they win, it is because of Chris Paul for numerous reasons. And the reason that they are in this position is because of Chris Paul. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see who gets this championship and who solidifies their legacy, because I don't think next year, maybe only the Clippers, I think, can repeat to be in the conference finals. I don't think the Bucs are going to make it to the conference finals. I don't think the Suns and I don't think the Hawks. This yeah. year is incredibly important to Giannis's legacy, to Drew Holiday's legacy, to Chris Paul, to Devin Booker, because looking to next year, Clippers are going to be back. Lakers are going to be back. Nets are going to be back. 76ers could make a move. Uh, the Heat are looking to do something always, obviously. The, the Mavericks are looking to try to get better. There are teams that are going to get better and have more wiggle room than the Bucks and the Suns. This is really both of those teams run for the year. And who's going to win that championship is going to leave a really big lasting legacy because only one player in this finals has been in the finals before, and that's Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder, yeah. That's it. That's the only one. Everybody else is desperately fighting to get that first ring. Um, if Giannis wins, first ballot Hall of Famer, um, you know, obvious superstar everybody considered him to be, even though the playoff struggles that have been there before. And then again, if Chris Paul wins, top probably top three point guard of all time, you got to argue that. And then for Devin Booker, Everybody who kept continuously calling him an empty stats guy, you know, you got some egg on your face there. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of storylines in this finals that I think are pretty refreshing from a basketball fan standpoint, because you know, 
next year is going to be different. So watching this year, you're really on the edge of your seat because you also don't, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if Giannis is going to be healthy. You don't know what the Suns are going to look like next to, to the Bucks. You don't know what the Bucks are going to look like next to the Suns. If, if, you know, for the Bucks, they need Giannis to play hopefully all seven if the series goes that far, but they need him for more. I mean, you can't roll out Bobby Portis in your starting lineup in the NBA Finals. Especially against- when his matchup will – if you're playing Portis, I mean, you're playing him at the five most likely. And if you're putting Portis on Aiton, I mean, that's that's a mismatch right Unless there. They could start Brooke Lopez. <laughs> Uh, the old yeah but even that, even then i i feel like if it's lopez um they're gonna drop coverage which they did a lot against the nets and the suns have too many shooters for that um happy you can't very yeah chris middleton Mm -hmm. yeah chris middleton chris middleton has taken a lot of criticism and i'll be honest i was one of the people that didn't think he was the right player next to Giannis. i didn't think he could hit that upper echelon and i was wrong he is their closer. He's the guy that they go to at the end of the game. And everybody, you know, criticizes Giannis. He can't, he can't shot create, can't make free throws. He doesn't need to if he can carry them through the whole first three quarters of the game. And Chris Middleton can be the guy who does that, can make the shot creation, can make other players better. Um, so, no, Chris Middleton, I would argue, has been the best player for the Bucks through these playoffs, even with Giannis healthy. Yeah. Chris Middleton has been the thing, you know, if, if Chris Middleton doesn't go off in game six against the Nets, you know, it doesn't, this doesn't happen the way that it does. If, if Chris Middleton doesn't pick them up in game three and hit those big shots at the end of game three, because the Bucks would have gone down three, nothing to the Nets. Um, Chris Middleton also helped them through Hawks games. He carried them for long stretches of the third and fourth quarters when they needed him. Now, you know, for the Suns, this is a very, very young team. Um, you know, DeAndre Ayton, um, Cameron Payne, and then you have guys like um, Cam Johnson, like we said, and then McCall Bridges. I mean, these are guys two, three years in the league, and now you're at in the NBA Finals. So do you think that's going to come into effect? You know, when you look I mean- at that. The Bucks, Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, guys with that playoff experience. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely could be a, a factor, but I don't know. The the two to three year thing is interesting because also on the other side, the Bucks don't really have those those finals performers either. Um, they have guys who've made it into the playoffs, but you know, we don't know if these final how the finals is going to affect these players. I am a little bit more worried about the Suns considering they have the younger team. Um, but then the Bucks have the health question of even when Giannis comes back, how good is he going to look? And, you know, how healthy is he going to be? So I think there's questions on both sides. And, and again, both teams have never been here besides Jay Crowder. Um, but Chris Paul has been in a lot of big playoff games. Uh, Drew Holiday's been in playoff games. So I don't think there's going to be a huge, a huge lack of not knowing what to do with that spotlight. Um, I think both teams, you know, I might give the slight advantage to the Bucks, but then right then again, you give them the disadvantage with the injuries. Um, and then you talk about coaching and the Suns definitely have that advantage. Um, but then you talk about depth and it might be the Bucks. And, and 
you can go back and forth on these teams, you know, with so many different things. Um, and that's why I'm really excited to see, you know, the first game, see how you, they defend. Uh, I think Phoenix said, or, or Milwaukee said they're expecting a lot of switches from Phoenix. It'll be interesting to see if Milwaukee switches with them or if they're going to, you know, try to hedge, do, see what they're going to do because the finals a lot more, I think, than people give credit for is a series of coaching adjustments more so than the first round or the second round of regular season. You know, you're really relying on your coach to make adjustments, to know what to do. And while I don't think Budenholzer is as bad of a coach as people make it seem, he's certainly not a great coach. Yeah. I mean, um, like he was coaching for his job if they lost, if they lost the Atlanta series. Yeah, no. And, and that's fair because I mean, realistically, you know, to go back to the Nets series, uh, just because I, I watched that so heavily, they were getting killed on drop coverage from Brooke Lopez. They were letting Kevin Durant, they were letting James Harden, they were letting um, a bunch of players switch onto Brooke Lopez to where he would then go take three steps back and protect the paint. You can't do that against really good three-point shooting teams. And the Suns have really good three-point shooters and then you also have eight and inside so they're kind of a matchup nightmare for them because if Milwaukee isn't going to switch and they try to go into the drop coverage they're going to be able to hit a bunch of threes and then if they do switch and they switch you know uh, somebody onto Aiton Chris Paul's going to know to drop that down inside into him And, and he's become a much better post player I think we've seen in the postseason um, that he has that ability to be that post player uh, in certain instances. They're not going to drop it down into him, you know, like Embiid, you know, 20, 25 times a game. But you need a, a quick five to eight post-ups a game looking for switches. You can do that. Um, so I'm interested to see how Budenholzer is going to adjust um, to the Suns because I know Monty Williams is going to adjust to the Bucks. I know Monty Williams is a good coach, not just because he won coach of the year. I knew he was a good coach before. I knew he was a good coach uh, uh, for the Hornets or the Pelicans slash whatever that was. You know, I knew he was a good coach in New Jersey. Uh, he's, he's a good coach. He, he, he took his time off and he went and did some assistantships and went to Oklahoma city and all that. And he, he's, he's a good coach and I'm expecting to see his adjustments really come through in the finals. Phoenix does have home home court advantage, uh, which I think is huge. The Bucks yeah. are not a great road team. You you've seen it in in the Atlanta series, seen it in Brooklyn. They don't travel nearly as well as they are at home, and that's not on you know Giannis or Middleton or Drew Holiday. Sorry about the technical difficulties, ladies and gentlemen. Jesse, you were talking about the Suns and their home court advantage home court advantage for the NBA Finals. You see that having a big impact on the game yeah i mean we've seen with the bucks uh struggle on the road uh you know in brooklyn with atlanta um a lot of role players uh you know Giannis wasn't really affected but chris middleton really was uh you've seen his numbers at home versus numbers on the road they were drastically different um phoenix i'm a little bit more confident in on the road um with that veteran leadership of jay crowder you know chris paul monty williams the coach um, I trust them more than I think I trust the Bucks. So the Suns having home court uh, 
that's another thing in the long list that, you know, you can chalk that to the Suns. Uh, and then there's, you know, things on the other side, as I've alluded to. This, this finals could be, you know, so balanced. And, and also, we have no idea. It could be so unbalanced because we none of us were expecting this matchup. We weren't, you know, doing deep dives into how these teams match up like we were with, you know, the Nets and the Lakers, which everybody wanted in the beginning of the year. Um, we weren't really looking as, at this as a potential um, opportunity. So moving forward, we're kind of in uncharted territory. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Suns. I mean, at the start of the year, they were probably, you know, you expect both L.A. teams, better chance to make the finals. Denver definitely had a better chance. And then you probably put the Suns in that kind of threshold. Maybe you put the Mavericks ahead of them. So it's cool to see a new team, I guess. And, you know, with Chris Paul getting in, that's awesome. And for the Bucks, I mean, this has been a long, like a, a long-awaited opportunity. Like you said, this is probably the only opportunity you're going to have. Um, At least for the next couple of years. You know, yeah. Brooklyn's going to – I'm sorry. I, I don't think I'm being a homer here, but <laughs> I – you put those two teams against each other in a seven-game series fully healthy. I think the Nets win in five. Yeah. I, I the Bucks are not, you know, to quote the you're not that guy, pal. You're not. The Bucks aren't beating the Nets in a full seven-game series if they're healthy. Um, and then pending on Philly's moves, Miami's moves. Um, I I really don't think they get out of the East next year or the year after. Yeah. So to wrap up the NBA Finals, what is your official prediction for the whole series? I'm I'm gonna go Suns in six. Um, I Giannis's injury is too much of an unknown for me. Um, I don't know what he's gonna be when he comes back because if he, realistically, if he looks like how James Harden did when he comes back, he doesn't have what James Harden has on offense. He can't, you know, he can't stand and shoot. He can't dribble a little bit. His whole game is driving into the paint, either drawing fouls or making dunks or buckets, um, layups and, and ones. He needs to be able to get into that paint. He needs to be able to put his force on the game. And the Suns aren't just going to let him do that. They have a player in DeAndre Ayton, who has shown uh, rim protector capabilities and has really come into his own defensively this playoffs, they're going to have Jay Crowder to throw on him and be physical. Dario Saric is going to be physical with him. Um, I don't know if that leg is going to hold up. Um, And then you look uh, across to the Suns. Yes, Chris Paul and Drew Holiday isn't a great matchup for you. Um, Obviously, Drew Holiday is a really good defender. But I think the Suns just have more around the players that are going to have those bad matchups. Um, the Booker Middleton matchup, I think that's I think that's a win for Booker. Um, you know, you look at how they've played coverage uh, against the Nets. You know, the drop coverage and, and the switching more so with Atlanta. Phoenix can kind of beat both of those. So I'm gonna go Phoenix in six but I would not be surprised if it goes another way. Again, Giannis's injury, we really don't know what he's going to look like when he comes back. Yeah, I also am going to say Suns in six. It also does help that the Suns uh, only played into six. They, went into, they won four to two against 
uh, the Clippers, and then they swept the Nuggets in the series before that. So they've had a lot less games to play. Bucks went to six with the Hawks, went to seven with the Nets. So I, I think that does come into a little bit of advantage. And like you said, the Giannis injury is very scary, and I don't think he's going to play game one. I think he will be back for game two. Um, but if the Suns want to win it, they have to get – if the, if the Suns take over 2-0 in the first two games, I think it's over. Yeah, I would agree. I think Milwaukee needs to steal one on the road. And here's the other problem. If, if Giannis does come back in game two, um, when does he even just – not even just the injury, when does he shake off the rust? Yeah, yeah. That's at least, a, that's at least a game or two. So, you know, you let's say you play um, – or even if you the Bucks somehow have to sit Giannis for the first two games, you're down 2-0 and you're asking Giannis to come back in game three and take back the series – uh, I don't think that's going to go too well either. So, yeah, I agree. Milwaukee Milwaukee needs to steal one on the road, even just for the fact that if they steal one on the road, um, even you know, best case scenario, if they can steal game one without Giannis somehow and then sit him until game three with, yeah, they could go down 2-1, but having him back and having him healthy, um, that would be a dramatic game changer. But, I, I think Phoenix is going to win. I think the home court is going to help a lot. And again, the biggest factory, that Giannis injury. I do agree. Phoenix, I believe, will be taking the trophy. <laughs> um, but going from going to the future of the NBA, the NBA draft lottery wrapped up a few weeks ago and the Detroit Pistons hold the number one overall card. And presumably seems they'll be taking Oklahoma State guard Cade Cunningham. Now, Jesse, you are a future Detroit Pistons fan as you've said in the past, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah. Uh, to make the announcement, I will be uh, moving to Michigan in the next coming month. Uh, so this is my formal notice that the Detroit Pistons will become my second team uh, as I am moving there. Uh, this, this is huge for the Pistons. It really is because I think a lot of people don't understand this Pistons team has talent. They yeah. had a second-team all-rookie in Isaiah Stewart. They had a first-team all-rookie in Sadiq Bey. Uh, Killian Hayes didn't get to play that much, but he was an interesting prospect last year. Um, Jeremy Grant probably would have won most improved player every other year except for this one uh, with Julius Randle taking that uh, and getting the Knicks to the playoffs. But this is, this is a talented team, and a GM in Troy Weaver that – has done everything right so far. I mean, even if, even if they had gotten the third or fourth pick, you're still looking at them as a pretty good team a couple years down the line, but yeah. with the ability to get Cade and I think they absolutely are. I don't think there's a, a universe where they don't get Cade Cunningham. There's going to be smoke screens. There's going to be all, oh, they might trade down. They might do this. They might take Evan Mobley. Oh, they really like Jalen green. They're going to take Cade Cunningham. He is the pick. He's the right pick. He's the, I think, the undisputed number one player in this draft. Um, I think they're going to be a playoff team next year. I think they're at, at the very least a play-in game team. Um, looking at that roster, Dwayne Casey, who is a good coach, Troy Weaver as the GM, I don't think I can look at that team and say, yeah, there's going to be 10 teams better than them in the Eastern Conference. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, 
they're certainly getting a number one pick always will speed up a rebuild. Um, I mean, if the process, if the player works out too, but Cade Cunningham said he's only going to work out for the Pistons. Uh, he said he would only work out for the team that gets number one and it is the Pistons and they will be followed by the Houston Rockets, Cleveland Cavaliers, Toronto Raptors, and the Orlando magic with Oklahoma city sitting there at number six. And like, you know, this is a, a very unexpected team to get first overall, but they've been very poor the past few years. They moved on from Blake last year, a much needed move on. That was like you said, Killian Hayes did get hurt, but he was still a top 10 pick last year. Sadiq Bay played really well, really well last season. And Jeremy Grant is good. I mean, he was a monster. He selected for the USA team, you know? Yeah, he was good on the Nuggets, and he chased the bag uh, to Detroit. But any uh, anything else you want to talk about with the lottery? I mean, Brooklyn sitting at 27. They made oh, that, 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 that's going to get moved. No, it's going to get up for number one. Definitely getting moved for a veteran. But, um, I mean, yeah, cool for the Rockets. They're going to get their center for the future in Mobley. I think they're going to take um, – and I mean, good for the Cavaliers. They're going to be in an interesting position because if the Rockets do take Mobley, which I think they're going to, the next two players are Suggs and Green. Those are both guards. So Colin Sexton trade probably incoming. Who knows what Sexton's value is because you also have to pay him. Um, I'd love to see Colin Sexton on the Knicks. I think Tibbs would make sure. him. I think Tibbs would make him into like a top five defensive guard. Because like he has he has all the makings besides the size, but Tibbs just knows how to make undersized point guards work. So I would actually love to see Sexton on the Knicks, but I I think you know, and then you have the Raptors who jump up obviously, and that's huge for them because we don't know what direction they're going. Um, we've seen some reports that Pascal is their franchise player. We've also seen reports that he might be on the trade block. Lowry's um, probably on his way out, so they could. Yeah, so they they. Point. Exactly. So they could, they could opt for Suggs. Suggs seems like he really fits with Toronto and what they would want to do a Fred Van Vliet kind of style, you know, undersized, but, but really, really skilled. Um, and then you have the Warriors, you know, sitting at, at number seven and uh, what was it? 13, seven and 13, I think. Yep. So that's, I would almost assure is trade bait. Um, but what do they trade for? What, what's out there on, on the block that they can get. And also, you know, not to criticize too much, a lot of these prospects, the thing that really sucks for the Warriors is this seems like a top five, top six draft and they got number seven. Yeah. You know, it was like, it was like the, uh, the, the Ben Simmons, Brandon Ingram year, you know, you got the third pick. It's like, congrats. You got the third pick. It was a two player draft. So it's a thing of like, yeah, they got a pretty high lottery pick, but after Scotty Barnes, after Kaminga, kind of really falls off uh, of that potential. So our team's going to realize that and reassess their trade value of seven and thirteen. Um, how much is Wiseman going to fetch you? Obviously, didn't play fantastic this year, but did get hurt. He was the number two pick last year. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's a lot of interesting things looking forward to the Warriors in all of free agency because you have Steph, who you know ideally will sign the extension they think he's going to sign his extension you have clay coming back from not one but two serious major injuries in the achilles and the acl 
Um, Draymond's getting older, but it still clearly shows that defensive prowess that he has. Um, and then you have a bunch of young guys like Jordan Poole, you know, you're, they're bringing back uh, Eric Pachel. I think he, he signed his player option. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of things where the Warriors could either be, you know, a top three team again, a top four team in, in, in all of basketball, or there's a world where Steph doesn't sign his extension. Draymond ages another year. Clay doesn't look like the same. They maybe couldn't find a deal for seven and 13. So they just had to draft two young players. Um, yeah, I think, I think the Warriors offseason is probably the one to look at more than any because that's the difference between a finals contender and a team who is going into a full rebuild. Yeah, and the NBA draft, do you know the official date of it? It's probably end of July. It's like July 31st, right? Something like that, yeah. I'm looking it up now, but I mean, like you said, July 29th is the first round, and Cade most likely going to hear his name number one. Now, going to before we end, there's two potential point guards that could be moved this offseason. Damian Lillard, I mean, he's a superstar. He's he's a franchise-altering player. They hired Chauncey Billups to be their new head coach in Portland, and Port say again, Dame was not happy with how that whole process kind of went down. And you know, could you see Damian Lillard moved? And on the other hand, the Sixers were upset by the Hawks, and Ben Simmons did not perform well at all. Doc Rivers came out and said he is unsure if Ben Simmons could be a point guard on a winning team, and Joel Embiid kind of threw Simmons under the bus a bit. Do we see either of these two players being moved, both of them potentially? Um, I think I think Dame is going to get moved. He requested the trade. I mean, he didn't formally request it, but it came out through Chris B. Haynes, who, if you know anything about Chris Haynes, he is connected to Lillard. He's broken all of Lillard's stuff. Uh, he gets Lillard's stuff before Woj, before Shams. Uh, he is connected to him. So if Chris Haynes is putting out reports that Damian Lillard is unhappy, it didn't come from a different source other than Damian Lillard and Damian Lillard's team. Um, I think now that being said, what team can put together something for Damian Lillard? Yeah. That's, that's tough because, you know, a bunch of people want to say, Oh, put him with LeBron and Anthony Davis, Kuzma KCP in a second rounder this year <laughs> and a first rounder in 2027. That's not getting you who I would say last year, he was the best point guard in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, he's uh, the, the lowest you can possibly put Dame is top three or top four. If you really want to have the Steph and the Kyrie argument, I would put him ahead of Kyrie. I would put him maybe only behind Steph. He honestly might be above Steph at this point. Um, he is a legit top two, top three point guard in the NBA. Um, you need to give up things for him look at what the nets traded for james harden yes the rockets absolutely fumbled the bag with the players they didn't want jared allen they didn't want karis lavert nobody knows why we, we don't know but they didn't want those guys so they only got victor oladipo who they then traded we all know the rockets fumbled the bag yep. but the point is they got seven first round picks, you know, three unprotected four swaps or the other way around. Damian Lillard is, go he's also on contract, by the way, Damian Lillard is on contract for the next like four years, I believe, or next three years. He just signed that uh, Supermax in 2019, I believe it was. So 
he's on for the next three, four years, you know, making that high number. You need to give up assets for him. If you plug in your team to the trade finder and whatever you think is giving up too much for Damian Lillard, it's not enough. Yeah, it's, it's not, this isn't, you know, I think people really became delusioned by the whole Jimmy Butler trade and the Victor Oladipo trade and the old Paul George trade of the, from the Pacers to the Thunder. We aren't in that NBA anymore. We're not in the, the Warriors are dominating. Everybody is rebuilding NBA. We are in the NBA where stars and top 10 players require assets. Anthony Davis got you Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, another young player in Bongo who they moved on from. You know, they Josh got Hart picks. Too. What? Josh, Josh Hart. Hart yeah, Josh Hart. And then a fourth overall. All pick of those picks. All of those picks. Um, James Harden, you know, seven first round picks. You aren't trading a top 10 guy in the NBA for Dennis Schroeder, KCP, Kuzma, and a first rounder. If you think you're getting anything less than, you know, giving up less than three first rounders, I don't know what's wrong with you. You're giving up four to five first rounders, probably an all-star level player or a young player you like, and probably depth to fill in the rest of the trade. You know, that's why a lot of, a lot of people want to say, oh, you know, the Lakers or possibly the Knicks. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I liked what the Knicks did this year. I don't think the Knicks have the assets to trade for Damian Lillard and also be an okay team next yeah. year. Um, you know, I, I think the top two to top three teams to watch out for that can actually give up the assets. And I don't know if they would make the trade, but sheerly just assets. Philly, if Portland really likes Ben Simmons and they think a trade can be built around him. Uh, Denver, strictly for the fact that Jamal Murray probably gives them the closest resemblance to Damian Lillard, but he still makes Denver definitely better. They have to attach a lot of things, but Nikola Jokic and Damian Lillard are better on your team than if you have Nikola Jokic and not Damian Lillard. I don't care what else is around them. You know, Michael Porter Jr., uh, you know, Jamal Murray, that's all fine. If you can get Damian Lillard, you get him. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, maybe Miami. Miami uh, they've obviously, awesome. yeah, they have the young ones. And then a team to look out for that could potentially do a deal if they really wanted to see how it worked is New Orleans. I don't think they do. Yeah. Um, they could obviously, they could sign and trade Lonzo, um, add a couple first rounders, maybe give up Jackson Hayes or, or something like that. Um, and obviously, you know, I would assume Brandon Ingram might have to be in that trade too. So you'd have to see how that would work. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's not easy Lillard, for a superstar. Basically. Exactly. And you really need to have the assets. Um, the only reason the Lakers were able to trade for Davis, they had a young core, they had picks, they traded all LeBron came, they traded it all for Davis. The Nets, young players, had picks. Kyrie and KD come. They trade off Levert. They trade off Allen. Um, you know, you look at these teams that make these trades. They're teams that have somewhat an establishment but need to get to that next level. I don't view a lot of teams as that. 
Um, and, and ideally, honestly, I think Denver is the best fit, can offer the most things, um, but I, I don't know if that deal gets done. Simmons, I allegedly the Sixers want to make it work with him. Um, they were offered Brogdon and a first-rounder this year from Indiana. They said that's nowhere close to what they want. I wouldn't accept the deal if I was Philly. I think I could get a little bit more than Brogdon in a first, but not much. Um, The fact that they think this wasn't close kind of scares me because they, I think, are valuing him too much. Uh, An all-star caliber guard, which Brogdon has shown to be, he was the only real reason Indiana was in the play-in and everything, Uh, him and Sabonis, obviously. But he was, I think, the player that stepped up when they needed him to you're not getting much more than that. You'll probably get an all-star caliber player, some teams who want to reshuffle the chairs. Portland might give you McCollum and a, and a first or two. Um, the Timberwolves, I've heard, were interested. The Timberwolves are interested. they really pro- want, Ben. They, they, might give you, they might give you D'Lo and a, and a first, but that's probably it. But um, does Ben make your team better? I feel like D'Lo is better than Ben. Ben... Ben makes your team better defensively, which is what Minnesota really struggles with. Also, I think Ben here, here's my thing with the Timberwolves fit. If you trade for Ben Simmons and you're the Minnesota Timberwolves, you're planning on playing Ben Simmons at power forward. You're not planning on playing him at point guard. You're playing him next to Carl Anthony towns so that Carl Anthony towns, who is the best shooting big man we've ever seen period stats back it up. He's like a 40% three-point shooter um, at seven foot tall. He is the perfect fit next to Ben with the spacing. Because most of the time, if you have a center like Cat, who's that physically gifted, you're putting him in the dunker spot to clean everything up. Yeah. You don't need to do that with Cat. You can put Ben in the dunker spot. He fits next to him. It's not like it's you know, Clint Capella or Jared Allen or these guys who need to be in the dunker spot. Cat offers a different thing there where Ben can mostly just control the paint. Um, and I think that I think that fit would work really well. That being said, I don't know if it raises their floor that much because for as great as Ben Simmons is on defense, he obviously leaves so much to be left on offense. And we've seen D'Angelo Russell get hot on offense and really take over games and having two ball handlers of Edwards and D'Angelo Russell being able to pick and roll those guys with Carl Anthony Towns, being able to send all these different ball handling combinations at you. Um, I like, I do like that more than the Simmons fit personally, but I could see why Minnesota wants to do that. Um, I think Portland, if they can keep Dame and convince him again, Ben would be playing the four. He would be playing it next to Nurkic, which is a lot less good of a fit. But I think the argument for Ben to be a championship point guard, I think we got to let that ship sail unless he develops a jump shot. And obviously that's always going to, it's always going to be the asterisk, but I don't believe that Ben Simmons is a championship level point guard. He could be a championship level power forward you know, send him on short rolls, really work to his game, run in the fast break, um, one man transition. I mean, transitionally, Ben Simmons is one of the best players in the NBA. 
In transition, he is fantastic. Defensively, he's fantastic. Playmaking-wise, he's great. It is the shooting and the half-court offense that really hurts him, and he needs to go to a team that is going to make those possessions easier for him. It's going to be a long, long offseason ahead, and you know this isn't the first time we've heard the song and dance with Dame Lillard being unhappy and not being involved in decisions and him wanting out, but then nothing's ever turned into anything. So we'll see if actually things come into fruition now and he does get traded potentially to a contender. We'll see. Um, But one thing I wanted to ask you before we end, we all know how incredible Trey Young was this playoff run. And I don't know if you've seen it, but I've seen recently people saying maybe the trade wasn't that bad between them and the Mavericks with the Mavericks getting Luca and maybe Trey is up there with Luca now. Do you think this is true? I, I, I I'm not buying into it. This is so recency bias. Uh, yeah, t- ton of recency bias. Um, don't get me wrong. Trey is an all-star level player. He is fantastic. Trey is is great at what he does. Um, the biggest thing he has over Luca is players seem to really enjoy playing with him. Luca doesn't have the style where players I think really enjoy playing with him as much that being said the Hawks roster the Mavericks roster that's night and day those are two entirely different things um the Hawks built a good roster the Mavericks quite frankly did not um but the only reason the Mavericks are that good and can get to the playoffs and can push the Clippers as far as they possibly can is because of Luca um I i I think Luca is the best player at his age that we've ever seen. He's 21 or 22 now. I think doesn't matter. He's either the best 21 year old or the best 22 year old that the NBA has ever seen. He is better than LeBron at his age. He is better than Jordan at his age. I mean, the only one you could maybe argue was better at his age was like Magic Johnson. Um, yeah. He is so good for the age that he is. Um, I, and somehow I feel like because we criticize them so much, they've kind of gotten away with this. If anybody lost that draft, it is the Sacramento Kings. I mean, oh, being able, <laughs> they can, they selected number two. Yeah. They selected two and they went with Marvin Bagley. I mean, you could look at all, oh, well, the Suns probably should have gotten Luca. Yeah. DeAndre Ayton's worked out though, for sure. And they're going to the finals. Who was number four in that draft? Because three was, Three was Trey or Luca. Uh, Jared Jackson Jr. Eh, okay, good player. Good player. Yeah. Um, can can definitely develop more injuries. Really hurt him this year as well. He he's he's going to turn into a good player. Um, the Kings allegedly can't move Marvin Bagley. Like he's a negative asset at this point. Um, which by the way, coming out, I what it wasn't a direct comparison, but uh, on four point play, I did say Marvin Bagley reminded me a lot of Jalil Okafor. Can dribble with his other hand, um, couldn't pass out of traps, had a lot of uh, a lot of things that worried me, but the athleticism seemed to make up for that. Um, but it really he really hasn't put it together. But um, I, I, don't get me wrong. Luca, Trey, both are phenomenal. Luca is unquestionably the better player. And I mean, if you if you remember last year in the bubble when Jamal Murray dropped the three straight games of 50 points, people were saying, wow, maybe he he's kind of like a, a top three point guard. Point guard yeah. it's, all, it's all just recency bias. I mean, Trey's good, but I think to say that he's, he could, he's up there with Luca it, is wrong. 
if you put Luca on that Hawks team, they beat the Bucks without Giannis for sure. Yeah. I think undoubtedly in my mind. Now, to be fair, Trey was hurt. Yeah. But I've seen Luca hurt and I've seen Trey hurt, and Luca is the better player hurt. Yeah. And just before we wrap up, just to talk about the head coach hirings, like we said, Chauncey Billups is in now in Portland. Uh, former net legend, Jason Kidd, taking over in uh, Dallas. Terrible hire. Terrible hire. Reports say Carlisle and Luca kind of hated each other a little bit. Uh, uh, well, that's see, that's the problem with Luca too, is appar- people don't like him, is the <laughs> thing. Apparently, he's incredibly immature, and, you know, reports say he's very full of himself. And, you know, Chris yeah. Stops does, doesn't like him. Then again, you know, Chris Stops isn't really happy ever anyway. <laughs> but and didn't develop into the player next to him that he should have been. But there are multiple reports that players don't like Doncic, so I don't think it's crazy to think that Carlisle doesn't. Um, kid's a bad coach. That's yeah. all I have. To, he was a bad coach with Brooklyn. He was a bad coach with Milwaukee. I don't know why he's getting another chance this soon. Yeah. Um, he replaces Rick Carlisle, and Rick Carlisle gets a job pretty quickly with Indiana on a four-year contract. Um, oh yeah. And that's a great hire. Rick Carlisle was probably the best head coach that's hit the open market so far this year by far. And then we remember the Boston Celtics shakeup. They hire one of the Brooklyn Nets, 15 assistant coaches with Ime Udoka. I mean, you good coach, good yeah. coach. He's, he's a good player development guy. He's going to work a lot uh, with Brad Stevens. I, I think that's a good hire for them. I think uh, Udoka and, and Stevens are going to fit well together. And thank God they fired Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge had a job way too long, man. Way too long. He fumbled what should have been an absolute championship gold hand with that Nets trade. Fumbled it. Absolutely. Yeah. The Nets are the Nets are the better team at the end of that trade. Yeah, yeah funny enough. So we will see how the NBA Finals plays out. We'll be, we'll do a NBA Finals recap at the end of everything. But Jesse, thank you for coming on tonight and have fun in Colorado for however much longer you'll be back in Jersey. But make sure to follow us on all our socials: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at Sports Depth Pod. That's Sports D E P T Pod. Um, we have a MLB Subway Series and All Star Series podcast coming out very soon, along with uh, probably an NHL podcast and more wrestling podcast because wrestling never stops so thank you all so much for listening and we'll see you next time